Marini's Media. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Celtic leave it late, the transfer distillery is shut and Scotland get ready to face Israel. I'm Andrew Slavin and joining me as ever, my football foe and writer from The Telegraph, it's JJ Bull and from Motherwell, we've got Laura Brannan. Hello, how are you both? Evening, warm morning. <laughs> Who knows what time Or afternoon, that's another one. Dusk, yeah. good dusk to you. Dust to me. So, Laura, I'm going to go with you first because did you get the weekend off after Kilmarnock? Um, well, they got six positives for coronavirus, so the game with Motherwell on Friday was called off. What was what was that like when the news broke through? And did the what did the team do um, on Friday? Did Stephen Robinson bring them all in from tra- for training or something? Yeah, I did get the, the weekend off. I get the fear now after this year and COVID and everything that as soon as I get time off now, I'm like, no, don't, don't, horrible flashbacks. <laughs> Let's not have that happen again. Um, but yeah, so what happened was, so Kelly had three positive tests on Wednesday confirmed and then a further three got confirmed the next day. Um, so on the Friday, the club had a meeting with the health boards in Ayrshire and they were deemed that they did not, meet the standards of, well not standards they didn't um, they didn't satisfy track and trace enough so their entire squad had to isolate not just the six that tested positive Kelly did say they had 13 younger players but they hadn't tested so they couldn't mm. play the game against Motherwell um, so yeah well Kelly are now going to be investigated by the SPFL um, because Unlike the Aberdeen situation which was a bit strange um, Donca- I think Neil Doncaster was talking about it on Saturday in an interview where Aberdeen did satisfy the track and trace enough um, that their entire squad didn't have to isolate, but now Kilmarnock do. So it'll be interesting to see what happened differently there. Um, from a mother perspective, though, nothing really changed from us. We weren't involved in the, the meeting because we were just happened to be the club that the fixture was against. We weren't really involved in that sense. Um, so we were just kind of waiting for the news to come through. The, the coaches had decided that if the game was going to be called off, the, the team would train as normal on a Friday, which they did. They trained in the afternoon uh, once the news had come through to us and then they got the weekend off. Um, so, yeah, it's just now a case of waiting to see if and when that will be rescheduled and what's going to happen in terms of going forward. We also know now as well that Kilmarnock have forfeited their game on Tuesday, uh, the Scottish League Cup opener against Falkirk. Um, yeah, I mean, so they they were, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the SPFL confirmed the rules for the League Cup uh, and what was going to be the Challenge Cup. I know that's been scrapped now for the season. The decision has been made since then. But in terms of the League Cup, it was going to be a case of if you have enough players to play, I think, um, I can't remember the exact number, but if you have enough players to field, then you have to go ahead and field the the team and play in it or else you forfeit the game. So that is in the, the rule book. Kelly do, as I say, have 13 players they could have fielded um, if they'd gotten tested in time for Tuesday night's game. But interestingly, in Kilmarnock's statement, they've said that they don't feel the time is right to play these young boys. Mm. Um, Alex Dyer said that it could be detrimental not only to the young players themselves, but also the sporting integrity of the competition if he was to put these young boys in. Which I think is really interesting because, it, I mean, from a learning perspective, do you not learn if you just get thrown in and yeah like forced to swim basically don't don't drown just go for it um yeah it's an opportunity isn't it yeah you'd think that would actually be a learning curve from and plus these young boys 
know each other very well, um, probably know each other more than they do the first team players. So they probably play quite well together. Um, I think that's an interesting one from from Kilmarnock. Um, also interesting, no decision has been made on their next League Cup game, which is the following Tuesday, um, which I don't think would give the first team boys enough time if you count up the 14 days isolation period. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there in terms of these young boys playing, if they're going to get a chance then. Or they're hoping maybe some of the boys might be back in time, um, might be over their 14 days. But will they even be fit? Will they be match sharp by that point? I mean, it's just it, it's just a, a problem that I fear we're going to um, witness uh, more than a few times this season. And we're still trying to find out all the rules <laughs> that clubs have to go through to even almost say to the SPFL and to the Scottish government to a certain degree, you know, if they're following certain protocol. So it's it's funny because, the, like you said, the league did uh, come out with the fact that if uh, you can't field a team, that then you forfeit the match. So Falkirk have been given a 3-0 victory. Um, but it's slightly different for, for league matters. So the SPFL do not have the powers to do, um, to make that decision. So if, if Kilmarnock can't play their next game in the league, um, it's not necessarily that they would forfeit that game. Um, but I've seen that the SPFL chief executive, Neil Doncaster, has said that they could face further sanctions if the investigation finds they have breached any of the COVID-19 protocols. But there's no suggestion of what those uh, things could be, what they might be punished with. But um, we move on. Uh, because we'll be talking with Finn Marks about Celtic and Rangers draws in Europe later on in the show. And um, also, we've got Anthony Joseph appearing to talk to us in our transfer distillery. But first of all, let's speak about some matches that actually happened. This news just in, listeners. The Athletic is extending its £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts for just a quid. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash Scottish Show. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Clamala. Oh, he's going to get a second bite at it and he can finish it here, which he does! St Johnston were so, so close uh, to getting a point against Celtic, but in the 90th and 93rd minutes, Lee Griffiths and Patrick Clamala struck to inflict defeat once more on Callum Davidson's men. And I'm kind of going to go straight out and say this with the Scotland international games coming up. Lee Griffiths is back. Surely he has to be in Steve Clark's thoughts. And can he call him up right now? I think he should. No. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, he didn't even start. He didn't start the game. He scored one goal here. Give him a bit of a run of games. I know he's a good, t- a good forward, but you need. I don't think you can just throw him straight back in there. But just if you if you but you look at it, he's just came off the bench, and he scores what is effectively the winning goal in a really poor Celtic performance. So if he's on the bench for Scotland and they're struggling against Israel, throw him on for five minutes. He clearly is a direct player. And I think he got, in, in the small amount of time he was on the pitch, the amount of touches he had inside the box um, was impressive. It's a guy who wants to win football matches. Yeah, I would like, caveat that by saying that Celtic are pushing for the win in the final minute so any striker's going to have more touches of the ball anyway. Who is Scotland's best striker? Well, the thing is, that my, my kind of belief in terms of Griffiths is 
Steve Clark put Lauren Shankland in the squad last month when Lauren Shankland hadn't kicked a ball since before lockdown because he was injured in the hope that he was going to be fit in time. So if he's willing to put a boy like Shankland in on the off chance that he might be available for however many minutes he was needing him in that game, why is it different with Griffiths? I mean, we we know what Griffiths can do. He knows the Scotland setup. I would take mm-hmm. a semi-fit Griffiths any day of the week in such an important game. If we are going into the last five minutes of this needing a winner, of course you throw on Lee Griffiths just in case. He's a natural Absolutely. goal scorer. And that's He's the a- point. It's an important game. It's an important game. You put your best players yeah, on Yeah, it's the not pit. just any old friendly. But but squad building and building the team is more than just... It's so stupid having the best players. And if there's someone that doesn't suit the squad, then I can understand why you wouldn't want to put them in. There's a reason. If also, if you're building for the future anyway, which might be what he's doing, but then Gigi, that's we're another not, reason to bring a sanctum build- or something like that. But Gigi, we're not building a squad for a playoff. It's a playoff semi-final. Uh, Everything goes out the window for this. <laughs> you don't care if it's a playoff final. Why do you not care? We're not going to go through. But you don't know that. <laughs> there's literally 90 minutes in front of us on Thursday that anything could happen. Why would you be caring about tactics and, and setups and, and what the squad's going to look like in 10 years' time? It's all about that 90 minutes. This is the cup final. This is like, it's do or die. I agree with Laura. I think it's, a, it's an important game. Lee Griffiths has came back. It's great for him that he's back uh, scoring and playing again for Celtic. But this was a performance that, uh, you know, Celtic fans would be scratching their heads again that, that Celtic are not finding it easy to, to beat anyone at the moment. Even though they've, you know, it's not like they've put anything wrong. It's just that the performance level doesn't seem to be um, up to the, the standards that, that maybe... Um, some fans would be expecting you even had Chris Sutton tweeting after the game Celtic are hard to watch it, does it really matter JJ or is it just about who cares if they're winning is that your is that your thought uh, it's difficult you'd like you'd like, um, like for Celtic fans I'm sure they want to see their team playing a bit better or having more control of games but I feel like they, they do still have control of the games in a, in a way I know this sounds mm-hmm. it's all a bit of a mixed message but I think it'll come together as season goes on. I think that they maybe just aren't quite flowing as they want to. They've had a few issues to deal with. Things like Edward being out of form and just bits and pieces here and there. I can't think of them off the top of my head to list what they would be. But it, like they're getting the wins that they need. It hasn't been too hard for them. St Johnston pushed them, but I mean, St Johnston were hard to... I mean, they were hard to go into this one. They were really at it. And uh, yeah, like, I, like I've said, they're just going to be all right. I don't think there's anything to, to worry about particularly, and it will be get better. We shouldn't discount the fact that St Johnston worked the bollocks off in this game, eh, JJ? Because the thing is, like the, the way that they pressed up against Celtic, they frustrated, and they did defend with their lives up until the final few minutes, so we should give them some credit. The credit I'd like to give is for my favourite bit of the game, which is that tackle on Klamala <laughs> for the second goal. <laughs> That is one of the... Uh, well, Clamalla had the last laugh, at least. The most powerful tackle of all time. Liam Gordon goes flying in with two foot, determined to take him out. And um, Clamalla gets up, straight away. Yeah, he's That's... a hardy guy, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> easy to go down there and, and moan about it. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, you, I think you, my you, ankle would have shot. fallen off at that stage, <laughs> given the state that it's in at the moment. I think this was a bit of a heartbreaker for St Johnson. I think they did really well. I don't think anyone saw it coming. Um, we've talked about them before in the past. Of just they're, they're just not producing right now. It's not their kind of time of the season. But they contained Celtic so well. I think Celtic only had about three shots on target in the whole game. Conway also hit the post. If that had gone in, how different would that have been? 
So I, I think it's a shame, but I, I, I feel like a broken record, but I've said for years now, when Scott Brown doesn't play, Celtic miss him. And I know mm-hmm. that he's ageing, and I know he's come in for criticism recently, but he's just one of these players that does all the dirty work, and you notice when he's not in the team more than when he is. And when you soon, soon as you saw him getting stripped in the sidelines, I mean, I really wish I could bet on football. <laughs> I know I'm not allowed to just now because of my job, but I would have, I would be putting a Celtic winners on every week because see when you see Scott Brown coming on, you think that's it. He's going to change the game now. They're going to find a winner. He makes people around him better. I think that's what he does more than he does, he does with the ball. Yeah, it raises the level. You see a lot. Yeah, of there's there's so much work off the ball that he does in terms of just like the shape and. Like, controlling people and motivating mm-hmm. people it's, there's so much goes into his game that is not purely just the, what he does on the ball A few good points there Laurie you raised it's true you know St Johnston probably had the best chance in, in the 90 minutes but at the end of the day St Johnston haven't scored in 7 games out of the 10 I think they've had so far but Celtic remain second in the table going into the international break um, whereas St Johnston, I think, have got a really tough tie when they come back uh, in the Premiership against Hamilton, I think, which is going to be a huge game. They've got a couple of League Cup and Scottish Cup games in between. But um, we'll move on and we'll say, talk about a, a pretty unpredictable score when you look at ha- Hibs against Hamilton. It finished 3-2, but Hibs were 3-0 up before Hamilton came back to almost level it because they, they, they missed a penalty as well. And you just wonder... And JJ, I don't know what's happened with Hibs because it looked like they had kind of toughened up that softened underbelly that, that was maybe their issue last season uh, with Alex Gogic. But they shouldn't have ended up in so much trouble here, should they? No, so they were really good in the first half and they took the game to Hamilton uh, playing a sort of... It's like a four-four-two that they've had the season where they play Boyle on the right so he joins in the attack when he wants to. And one of the problems that comes up later is that Boyle doesn't come back to help defend as quickly as he should which a lot of attacking players, that's quite common for that. And you've got two strikers who aren't behind the ball when they're having to defend later on, because you've got Dodge and Nisbet who are both up top, rather than having a five across midfield, which can make a difference. But uh, Hamilton were absolutely useless for the first half. Couldn't keep the ball. I'm not sure they even managed to get two passes put together in the hips half. They go in a corner, that's about it. So the second half, second half, Hamilton totally different. Obviously get a rocket put up them, or just... Nice words of encouragement. Come on, boys. And they Bit come of that out. Hamilton spirit, eh? That's the one. Uh, Winter goes off, Ogden Pole comes on, and uh, much, much better. Take the game to Hibs. They're playing these, uh, something they clearly worked on in training, where they're, they're playing passes forward through a line. So they're, they're splitting the Hibs midfield line quite easily, going forward to someone up top, who then passes it back to a runner. It's not a third man run as such, but it's, uh, it's more direct play, but better suited to keeping possession so they can go forward because all they were doing was going sideways and launching it and losing it and that made a huge difference as well to Hamilton the way they were passing forward made a huge difference to how they were playing and then Hibbs later on they were tooting all up Nisbet did really well he's got his free kick goal which I think the keeper should have stopped or the wall should have stopped anyway uh, second goal is really well taken header from a cr- an early cross into the box and then the third uh, goal who scored the third goal again? Hanlon Hanlon, Hanlon. which was a set piece again yes another set piece but after that set piece uh, Hibs start to fall back a little bit so what they were pushing up before the natural thing to do when you're up is to fall back and try and hit them on the counter which is really easy to do when you've got players like Murphy and Boyle on the wings two strikers makes total sense to play up the wings and go forward but Hamilton because they've got five and they've got their wing backs uh, were able to well they were able to push more forward because Hibs were dropping back except Boyle then wasn't coming back as much as he should have been in, in uh, defensive phases so when they were being caught sort of in transition and Hamilton 
just played much better. There's not really much of a science to it. They were just better in that second half. Like it's, it's weird with football tactics, right? You go right through them and you look at the system and then the bits and pieces. But sometimes players just work harder or just do a little thing, mm. like a little a tiny detail. The spacing was different between the defenders and the midfielders, slightly smaller, so there was less space for passes to go through in Hamilton. It's like a tiny difference I noticed. I do, th- I do think Hibbs could have made this a lot easier. And I know Kevin Nisbet got two goals. He should have got his hat trick. I think he had two really glaring chances. But Laura, do you fear for Hamilton still this season? Because even though they seem to be, I think most of their goals have came in the second half, but they should be starting games better. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the impression I got from the Hamilton fans after this result on Friday night. Poe came on for a lot of criticism. They're saying that he's just not looking interested at all. Brian Rice is welcoming for criticism, especially his team selection. I mean, a lot of fans are kind of saying that this is a brutal choice that he started with. And you're saying that they're starting games badly. It wasn't really until the subs came on in the last 20 minutes that things really started to click for for them. So unless the game plan actually changes going forward, you'd like to think that he would look at that last 20 minutes and go, right, something obviously went right here. Let's let's work on this and we'll, we'll, we'll go forward in this sense. But if he just goes back to his... his default again then they're going to keep going through the same problems over and over so see I wouldn't I wouldn't I would disagree that it's the game plan's the problem I think the way they set up makes sense because you saw in the second half it was what they were wanting to do and it worked quite well but the if the players aren't looking interested in the pitch then that's kind of the problem that he's got if it's his better players and they're not interested that really hurts them because they don't have that many good players <laughs> yeah. but then, like David Templeton was excellent in the second half as well as particularly and he's their he's their real standout I like the boy Adolphin as well obviously he's scored a few goals but he's been decent enough at the back yeah well Hamilton, Hamilton are in their favourite position which is 10th Hibs remain 3rd and next up we're going to the table toppers it's Rangers This season, the Premier League is going to be a little different. But at Paddy Power, we're trying to look at the upside. Avoid unnecessary journeys? That's Fulham's trip to Anfield off. Self-isolate? Some midfielders do that very effectively. Avoid European travel? Shouldn't be a problem for Everton fans. When you think about it, not that much has changed, really. New normal? Same old football. Just like Paddy Power's Acker Cracker. Get a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude. Shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. James Tavernier has seven goals in his last seven games. Make that eight in eight. Taxis, death and James Tavernier scoring a penalty. Yep, Tav was on the score sheet again along with Brandon Barker to ensure Rangers remain top of the league. Things are going very well for Rangers. Yes, they had total control this game. <laughs> I've kept reading people saying that Ross County were unlucky, but honestly, I thought Rangers just had this the whole way through. They, they created chances, Ross County, but I think because Rangers didn't pummel them four or five, people think that Rangers didn't, didn't, didn't you know yeah. what I mean? Because like, they yeah. didn't actually didn't tear them apart. But Ross County showed them wide, that all the play was going out into the wings, every single time it was going wide, mostly to the right Um and eventually they got taken out. I think uh, Stewart had a good chance for Ross County in the second half, I think. Yeah, uh, second half that, was where Ross County got most of their chances. Yeah, just a little quick play. But I think his Rangers just knew they had it. And then it wasn't, it wasn't until late on they scored. This is the thing. So even if you've got total control of the game, it just takes one little mistake. And I think maybe that was why Ryan Kent was taken off in the second half, because he got caught kind of ball-watching as Rangers were playing out from the back. And 
that's when the, the times Ross County almost scored from. It's quite sort of similar to what happened to Liverpool actually the other night against um, Aston Villa when they, I mean, they were getting torn apart sort of on the counter attack by Aston Villa, but it was just just little mistakes that were cost them all the way through. And uh, that's kind of thing that might have hurt Rangers in the past, but they seem to be doing well to not uh, get punished by these little errors they're making. Yeah, I saw Rangers. They seem to be ticking so many boxes right now. But I saw that's five straight wins at home and five straight clean sheets at home, um, which the last time that happened was uh, back in 2011 um, under Walter Smith. But in terms of Ross County, uh, Laura, I think that's you know four defeats in their last five. It's it's getting worse for them at the moment and, and they really need to get themselves out of this rut somehow. Yeah, it's, it's, it kind of goes back to what I was saying a few weeks back. I, I thought at the start of the season Ross County were going to be one of the kind of on-form teams to look out for and it's just week by week it's getting worse and worse and I know they've taken heavy defeats to like Celtic and, and they've got Rangers not long after them in the fixture list. It's never going to be good for your confidence to have these two games so close together but they really do need to buck up their ideas but they, they do have Motherwell after the break in a couple of weeks' time so hopefully they don't buck up their ideas too soon. They've, they've brought in a, a former Motherwell player as well, Jermaine Hilton. What can you tell us about him? What's he going to bring to to Ross County? And is it is he unlucky not to you know stay at Motherwell? Yeah, Jermaine's um, been on the books at Motherwell for just over a season now. He joined last summer, 2019. He's, he can play in either wing. He's he's great going forward. He's He's got that bit of flair to him. He's, he can score goals. He can definitely assist goals. He could be that kind of creative aspect that they're lacking right now. He's unlucky. He's, he's never really been able to nail down a starting position for Motherwell when he when he has done. He's he's never really kind of nailed down his own position. Um, and he has been kind of moved around either side depending on how the games have been going. So if he can nail down one of the wings as his his role in the Ross County team, I think he can go and have a really good season for them. And I think he could be that kind of flair player that they're looking for. Yeah, he was quite the spark for Solihull Moors when I saw him a few years ago. But all points go to Rangers. Ross County will be looking to get back to winning ways very shortly. Do you know what, Slavin? What? One thing I know about this game is that for the, maybe the first time ever in a long time, I'm genuinely really looking forward to watching Rangers versus Celtic. <laughs> so obviously really? the game after the international break. Normally I don't care at all. But this time it's actually quite interesting because I think this will be a real really good test to see where both teams are at because I can't quite tell if Celtic are are actually any use or whether they just have the players getting them through and whether Rangers if Rangers win that it'll be a real like if, if Celtic don't sign anyone that they need to take them to whatever level they need to get to and Rangers end up beating them it'd be quite well, fun this is, this is it it's going to be a very strange um, tie this because obviously no fans and this is the big fixture that you know everyone talks about out with Scotland and uh, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I kind of think Rangers are going to win, if I'm honest, because they seem to be playing the better football. Do you like the old firm derby, Laura? I do enjoy it. I think it's um, it's one no matter what team you support. I think it's one you can kind of get on board with. This, yeah. when you get those classics, it's something special. And I guess part of the the kind of the way looking at it from a neutral perspective is is the atmosphere as well. It's that noise that no matter what's happening on the pitch there's an electric atmosphere and it's going to be very interesting to see what it's like without fans because that's yeah imagine I'd the like language you get the, from that game i'd love to know how the players react to it yeah this will be really interesting it'll be the first time because we want a crowd noise i wonder what sky will do they'll probably put crowd effects over it um, it'll also be interesting to see just how much it means to the players because the players must get sucked into the atmosphere so much 
and get driven on by that, to not have that in the stands, you just wonder if they, their mentality is this is just like another game. And I know it will be have driven into them off the pitch and in the dressing room, but just how much do these like players that are maybe new to the team or foreign boys that don't quite understand it, don't quite grasp the what it means to the fans off the pitch? I just I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be really interested to see how they cope with it. It's very yeah. unlike me to care at all to the point that we're mentioning it two weeks before the thing actually happens. Uh, <laughs> so I suggest we ignore it and talk about it next week. <laughs> well, we certainly will. But uh, what is it? Just after the. And it's the first game back from the international break. Yeah, that's why I brought um, it. But yeah, there we go. Here's Lokoc, and it's Forrest with the top end. He's onside. And Livingston are in front, and it might be the winner. Well, things are looking rather hairy for Dundee United, despite taking the lead through Nicky Clark. He's a hairdresser. Uh, they couldn't hold. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Just in case you know, he's a hairdresser. <laughs> he's not a hairdresser, but there is a person called. Nicky yeah, Clark, who's exactly. That's what I meant. There we go. Explained it further than we needed to. Um, but Dundee United <laughs> couldn't hold on because Livingston came back with goals from John Guthrie and Alan Forrest to snatch all three points from Tannadice. Back-to-back wins for the first time this season from Livingston after they had a pretty tough start. But um, fairly contentious how the first goal of the game was scored, in fact, because it looked like Sporla had fouled Serrano before Sporla got fouled and then Nicky Clark scored from that free kick. I don't know how the referee missed that and, and gave the first foul away. Yeah, there were there were a few kind of contentious decisions in this game, I think. The, this Morla one you're talking about, firstly, and then there was obviously, I think it was Ambrose was bundled to the ground in the second half, so Livingston could have had a penalty before they scored their second. And then mm. even the, the actual winning goal, I think there was some contention over whether it was offside or not. Um, I think mm. it was. I don't think it was, but there was a few questions over a few decisions here. But to be honest, that that's when you look at decisions it kind of just clouds out what actually happened in the game and in, in actual fact Livingston were just miles better than Dundee United's and it's it's concerning for them because United look like a bottom six side right now it's, it's not been clicking for them and we, we kind of talked about in the last couple of weeks it's it's just not working for them just now Mickey Mellon's kind of not getting it to click together at all and I think the fans are, are being quite patient with him because he is quite in the door but Livingston, I mean, their fitness levels looked better. They they dominated so much more. Um, you just you, you could see the winner coming for Livingston in this game. Dundee United were offering nothing. Yeah, it's disappointing. I think they only had one shot on target, which is what the the Nicky Clark goal came from. But it, this is a, a big turnaround for Livingston, and another good bit of news for them as well. Scott Pittman signing a new two year deal with the club, and and looking into it, it's quite a story. This guy, you know, coming from junior football being let let go from Hamilton and then being picked up from Bowness by by Livingston and um his dad is a US internationalist he was playing for his dad in the in junior football and he's came up and I think he's over well over 200 appearances for the club now um and that's a good signing because I think he's an underrated player who seems to make things tick for Livingston although people sometimes don't notice it um but perhaps think- it is I think Livingston have done well in the transfer window. I think they're maybe one of the strongest to come out of it. I know they've obviously lost Lyndon Dykes, but some of the names that you look at bring in, Robbie McCrory, I think, is a good loan move for them. They've got Jason Holt as well. Serrano's done well since he came in. And of course, you can't overlook uh, Alan Forrest as well, who's just been mm. absolutely on fire since he came in at the start of the season. He's he's doing so well for them. He seems to be involved in everything in every game. Dundee United obviously uh, brought in a bit of a midfield 
battler um, in Giando Fuchs. Don't know too much about him. I'm kind of basing it on reports, but he seems to be a ball-winning midfielder. And yet, I don't think that's really the area that they needed to bolster because it is goals that they're missing. I know they've got Shanklin. I know Nicky Clark scored at the weekend. But when you look at the fact that they only had one shot on target at home, I, I agree with you, Laura. I think it's a real, real uh, worrying couple of games for Dundee United. Uh, but uh, you but- see, it's not always the solution to be better at attack by signing attacking players. It's often another part of the team, the way you construct it. So it could be that they're missing that link man that they need to bridge defensive midfield to play the way he wants to. It could be that they want to break up the ball in a different way. And also, if you can get a good player in, you do it. I have not seen Fuchs play anything apart from my scout highlights. Uh, but he's got two caps for Cameroon. And you think an international player for a, a country as good as a football as Cameroon must be fairly tidy. So hopefully it works out, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah also right. they didn't. They let Declan Glasgow out on loan. I think it was Party Thistle he went to, which is a bit of a strange. I think a lot of the kind of fans were asking questions as to why they let him go. Um, and he's kind of more of an attacking midfielder. So maybe not necessarily a goal scorer of such, but someone that could have helped create some opportunities for them. So that's a strange one to let him go out on loan as well. Yeah, well, Livingston leapfrog United into the top six, whilst Dundee slipped to seventh. And uh, we go on to our last and final game. It's Aberdeen 2 1 against St Mirren. Thanks to a 90, well, just a, a minute over, 91 minutes, I should say. <laughs> struggling to do it. 91 minutes, Lewis Ferguson coming up with a winner. But St Mirren took the lead through an absolute belter from Ethan Erhan. There's Erhan. Oh, what a goal that is! Jim Goodwin, broad smile. Um, He's only 18 years old, absolute stinger of a shot. Um, but JJ, can you tell us more about this game because you just can't take your eyes off the Dons. Yeah, oh, that goal went in. It's really funny. The camera cut to Jim Goodwin. You can see him uh, shout across the pitch like, what the f*** did the, the player? <laughs> Brilliant. Where did that no come from? It. Yeah, no one expected it. Some hit, man. Like, that's I kind love of that raw emotion, that, that reaction. It's so natural. He's a fullback, Erdogan. I remember when he got his first start last season as a 17-year-old. He's a fullback, but he deployed him in kind of a defensive midfielder role. Maybe that's his position. I don't know, but I think he was at fault for Aberdeen's first goal, Marley Watkins. Uh, I think there's a few little bits and pieces that caused the goal. One thing I noticed with this game is that, well, I even I felt bad for St. Mirren at the end of this one because they put everything into the game. They were they were really really. It's not that they were good. They just worked so hard. They were really organised. They kept Aberdeen quiet. Didn't really create an awful lot against them. And uh, Aberdeen had a good team out as well. And it wasn't... Uh, it's hard to explain this. It's not that Aberdeen were poor. They just weren't quite as determined to win. Like, St. like they were desperate to win. They have to win this game or they will all be beheaded afterwards. And uh, about 70 minutes in or something, you just see that they, they just ran out of steam. It's like in Pro Evo when you run out of stamina and then your players, don't, they can't run as fast all of a sudden. And they can't, they can't you know, the passes start going astray. And slowly, you just knew Aberdeen were going to get into it. And then, uh, yeah, once again, Lewis Ferguson comes out and rescues the game. Uh, he is some boy. Uh, such a young lad as well, but the way he takes charge of things. And the finish, he said he didn't catch it right. He also said he's got a, quad, a problem with his quad, uh, which I assume really? means his muscle in his leg, not that he's been driving about Aberdeen at night, jumping <laughs> over the sand dunes. <laughs> well, that would be fun. But yeah, Aberdeen doing really well. Like they, If they win the next two games, well, the game's got in hand, one is against Celtic, they would be, I think, second. Actually, they're not going to be Celtic, but yeah, it's it's odd how it's gone from looking like a terrible season at the start for some reason. It just looked like they were going to be awful to watch all year mm. long, and it's just clicked. And it's no like 
master tactical thing like everyone's on about McInnes not being able to he doesn't know what he's doing as manager you put better players in you put McCrory in and suddenly it all works this is the secret of football it's so simple you put good players in a team and it all comes together it makes half of my job seem kind of redundant analysing football and tactics it's just good players it's so yeah. super, it's so easy <laughs> yeah and you've brought in uh, Greg Lee again as well obviously well, I um, haven't but the club has averaging yeah 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 <laughs> He plays left back, centre back, and defensive midfield. So you've got a small budget. The I guess the benefit of signing a player like Lee, who you know is a good lad and can play, it means that you've got cover in different positions. It's only a short term deal. He could be out in January again, but um, it's good for him. Yeah. Well, it's international break, so no Premiership matches next week. Um, there are a few League Cup and Scottish Cup games in between, but we'll discuss plenty more next week. But we're going to go to the transfer distillery now. Listeners, we want to tell you about Scoot, the new lift-sharing app for friends who love football. Scoot connects teammates who drive with teammates looking for a lift. So whether that's a trip to training, a -a five-a-side kickabout in the park, or a visit to the pub to watch Super Sunday, Scoot auto-calculates the costs, splits the fares, and collects the money via the app so there's no haggling or chasing cash. Scoot is also 80% cheaper than ride-hailing or taxis, and especially these days, isn't it nicer to share a car with no more than five of your mates than get on a bus with strangers? Download Scoot today on Android or iPhone and get £15 worth of free rides and drives as soon as you install it. Even better if you send an email to help at scootride.com saying The Athletic sent you, you'll get an additional £5 after your first drive or ride. Go on, get your boots out of the boot with Scoot, the Totally Football Shows and The Athletic. That's Scoot, S-K-O-O-T, the new lift-sharing app for friends who love football. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic. Hello, what have we got here? The final drops of transfer goodness. Yes, it's the Transfer Distillery and it's all going to close at midnight tonight as we record. But here to help distinguish between rumour and truth, it's Sky Sports News and King of Transfers, Anthony Joseph. Hello, guys. Hello. Tell me more about the story on Mail and Sunday Shankland and Chalmers are wanted by Burnley. Yeah, I, I did see this story as well. It was in the Mail on Sunday yesterday, but um, I called Burnley about it, and they have no idea <laughs> on it. Or they have, they have, they're certainly not aware uh, of any moves for Shankland and Chalmers. That there could be an interest. I'm sure there was uh, something in the story, but there's certainly not been any moves for them. And I doubt Dundee United would want to let one of their star, well, two of their star players leave in, in this window. Um, and what about Celtic? It seems like they're quite busy. AC Milan left back, Diego Laxalt. Is that close? Yeah, Diego Laxalt, that is close. At the time of us recording this, he's undergoing a medical in London and he's due to arrive in Glasgow later on. Um, he's a Uruguayan international, 27 years old, had a couple of good World Cups as well. Um, Celtic and AC Milan are discussing whether an option to buy can be included in this deal at the end of the season. AC Milan want £9 million though, so that might be a bit too high for Celtic. AC Milan bought him for £13 million uh, from Genoa in 2018, so I think they're trying to recoup some of that money. They're also 
this is quite interesting, discussing whether he can play in the Europa League games between the two sides. Obviously, they're drawn in the same group, along with Lille and Sparta Prague. But we've seen it in the past with Courtois and Chelsea and Atletico Madrid and Patrick Roberts, Celtic and Man City, where they played. But that was that was when the these signings were made before... The, the groups were drawn or the draw was made for those two sides to, to play each other. The UEFA rules do actually state that it is up to the clubs. I know there's a lot of mixed messages on Twitter at the moment uh, saying that UEFA rules say that uh, AC Milan can't prevent Celtic from uh, playing them, but it is up to the clubs to agree and Celtic would then have to register them uh, to play in the Europa mm. League. Lex, I think was a teammate of uh, Olivier and Chan. Back in yeah, his Genoa in days. Genoa when he was on loan, yes. He is, Good so knowledge. they'll be linking up again. Look at you boys with the knowledge. What else have you got, Tony? Uh, Aberdeen's yeah. got Greg Lee today, right? Anything else coming yeah. in or going? Who else has got uh, transfers? Well, Aberdeen, signed, yep, they've signed Greg Lee. He was released by NAC, NAC Breda. Um, he was actually pictured at the Aberdeen Sports Village on Sunday. I don't know if you saw that doing the rounds. I did uh, see JJ. that. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't, wasn't much of a secret, but uh, I believe they are looking to get possibly one more player in we don't have much information on any names at this stage but if it's a free transfer it doesn't need to be done by the end of tonight Mm. um elsewhere rangers they're in search of a midfielder they've been they've made a loan move to amien for bongani zungu i hope i've got the pronunciation right there i believe Uh, he's the football manager region (laughs) (laughs) he's 27 year old South African and he's likely to be the only incoming Rangers make at this stage he's been linked with a move to Ibrox for quite a while and he has expressed a desire to leave Amiens because after they got relegated to League 2 or League 2 but um, (laughs) elsewhere I didn't know you spoke French <laughs> I did actually. I did, it, I did higher French, but it just hasn't served me well apart from this podcast now. <laughs> and I still said two. Um, St. Mirren have confirmed, and Hibs have confirmed that uh, their captain, Kyle McGuinness, has joined Hibs. St. Mirren said they offered him a four year deal before he said he wants to move elsewhere. That was Hibs's fourth bid that was finally accepted. We don't, it's an undisclosed fee. We don't have any details on the figures, but we know Aberdeen were also interested, so that might have driven up the price as well. Yeah, interesting that he obviously the connection with Jack Ross. I think Jack Ross yep. gave McGuinness his, his debut against Hibs, actually, when he was 18 years old. Anything from Motherwell? Have they got anything? Well, Laura, you might know that as well, do you? Oh, I was waiting to see what Anthony was going to say. All oh, <laughs> right, no. We've, Just testing them, are you? We don't, don't have any inside info at Motherwell. Feel free to let us know, Laura. <laughs> she won't say anything. No, I mean, from a little perspective, we're, we're looking to get young boys out on loan. Um, we've not got reserves this year, so any of the kind of young talent, um, like PJ Morrison, Dean Cornelius, Yusuf Hussein, boys like that, they're not going to get as much game time this year. Um, we're looking to get out on, for loan spells. That might not happen before the, the window shuts, but if it does, great. And it means that we might also have an opportunity to bring some boys in to replace them that are maybe on free transfers. Again, not necessarily tied to tonight, but there could still be movement in the kind of coming days still to come. Does the window shut like tonight or is, can Scottish clubs do any loan deals or anything afterwards? No, it, it shuts, shuts tonight. They right. can do free transfers. Remember the Scottish window is closes at midnight 
and the English one is uh, 11 o'clock. Cool. Well, if you want to know more goings on, follow Tony on Twitter at Anthony R. Joseph for all the insight and the latest transfers. But for now, Anthony, thanks a lot. We're going to close shop on the distillery until January at least. But thanks a lot for all your work this summer. Top man. Thank you. Only 88 days to go, I think, till the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Just before we get chatting, Europe and the national team, time to check in with Paddy Power and producer Abby. Starting with Europa League, we're going to speak to Finn Marks about Rangers and Celtic straws, but what did Paddy Power reckon will be their chances? Well, unsurprisingly, things do look a bit brighter for Rangers. Uh, they are the second favourites in their group at 13-5, to five, but Benfica are favourites at 8-11, to 11, Standard Liège coming at 4-1 to one, and Lick. Poznan, if that's how it's pronounced, are 12 to 1. Not looking quite so bright, though, for Celtic. Uh, they are the third favourites in their group at 5 to 1 to progress. Uh, AC Milan, unsurprisingly, favourites 8 to 15. And Lille come in at 6 to 5 as the second favourites. Scotland play Israel on Thursday. Are Paddy Power going to boost my hopes? Yes, very exciting this. And Scotland actually are odds on to win this one, you'll be pleased to hear, Laura. 19 to 20 for Scotland to get the win on Thursday against Israel. Israel come in at 29 to 10 and the draw 12 to 5. Brilliant. Can't wait. Thanks, Abby. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Whilst the transfers were carrying on Friday lunchtime, Celtic and Rangers found out who they'd be facing in the Europa League group stages. And one person who fancies Rangers to have a, a good go this, this campaign, the man, the myth, the football journalist and friend of the show, Finn Marks. Um, hi, Finn. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right. So tell me why you think um, Benfica, Standard Liège and Lech Poznan are going to get humped by the Rangers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I it, to be honest, I think the short answer is purely just to point to the record that Rangers have in Europe under Steven Gerrard. Mm. Um, they've played 35 matches in Europe now under him and they've only lost five times, four of which of those have been away. I think personally, they're probably better set up to play against uh, European clubs almost than they are uh, teams from the, from, the, from the league, the Scottish league. Uh, I, I think that's more just to do with the fact the way they're set up is it's better to play and counter against slightly better teams probably um, I think teams are a lot more open they've got a lot more space to play in in Europe than they are domestically but actually just looking at the teams I mean Benfica, their reputation precedes them they're a huge name in European football and they'll probably be the ones that are expected to top the group but interestingly Rangers actually have a pretty impressive record against Portuguese opposition They've played 18 matches against uh, Portuguese clubs in their history and they've only ever lost three. And the last one of those was actually over 15 years ago. And in that time, they've played Porto four times, Sporting Lisbon four times and Braga twice and they haven't lost any of those matches. So I think they'll go into that with a bit of confidence. Uh, Liège, I think, again, looking back to last season, I don't know if they're better than Feyenoord. They've started the Belgian season quite well. But I think Rangers can take a lot of heart. And uh, Lech Poznan's an interesting one because they're actually, they're a really good team. They finished runners-up to uh, Legia of Warsaw, who Rangers beat in the playoff round last year. Uh, they finished second to them in the Polish Extra Classa uh, last season. Uh, I think Rangers will take heart from beating Legia, who didn't make it into the Champions League this season. 
Uh, I think they'll be glad going to to Poland as well that the the supporters probably won't be in the ground or not many of them will be in the ground when they go there because their supporters can be fairly intimidating. Uh, there's there's a really famous video of the the Lech Poznan ultras uh, turning up at a, a Lech Poznan to support the, the under 10s at a youth tournament uh, a number of years ago and they've got flares going off and they're aggressively chanting and dancing while all these little kids are playing a game of fives in front of them. Uh, so I think Rangers will probably take some heart from from uh, them not being there when they go to Poland. Uh, like are actually quite well known for bringing through really good young talent, the most famous of, of which would probably be Rev, uh, Robert Lewandowski who was at Poznan made his name there before who? he moved to the Bundesliga. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot, while it's it's a really difficult group, I think looking at the, the group last year that Rangers came through, which was pretty much full of Champions League teams, I think they'll take a lot of heart going into this. And especially given the way that they've come through the playoff round as well and dispatching of the likes of Galatasaray in the last round. Do you think Rangers um, would be happy not to qualify out of this group? To get back to league matters, I think probably the, the the main the minimum or the main goal would have been to to make it to the group stages. I think financially that's really where they're kind of set for the season if they can do that. Obviously, and this goes for Celtic as well. I think they want mm-hmm. to. Both teams would enjoy a run in Europe. It's good for the fans. It can keep players uh, motivated through what can sometimes be a bit of a grueling domestic campaign, but. I think realistically, Rangers would, uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world not to get out of this group. And what about Celtic? We've got AC Milan, Lille and Sparta Prague. How do you think they're going to get on? I I mean, that's a desperately unlucky group to get considering they were in pot one. Um, Milan, Lille and and Prague, yeah, there's there's some glamorising there for sure. We've got the return of the Dida Derby with AC (laughs) Milan coming back to to Parkhead. It'll be difficult. I think Celtic will be much the same. No, I think again, whilst it's it's uh, it's good to have European football, and and we want our clubs to do as well as possible. I think, especially for Celtic, the the focus for the vast majority of, of the the support this season will be on the league. I, I think it's the same thing financially. It's great for our teams to get to the group stages, and we want them to perform well. I don't think uh, there's going to be a huge amount of. Um, of debate if, if neither of, of the old firm get out of the, the group stages this time around though. Hey, hey, Scotland are in European action as well. You excited, Laura? We're back. We're going to the Euros. Are you excited? We're going to play Israel. We're going to beat them 2-0 and then we're going to play Norway and we're going to win on penalties. Yeah? I'm going to hold you to this, Andrew. <laughs> I'll get my hopes up. Look, you're a Scotland expert. You are. You're not a club football fan. You are a Scotland fan. So, this is everything to you. It means a lot to me and JJ as well, obviously. But do you genuinely think that we've got a good chance, or at what? How, how are you feeling going into these? I'm so conflicted. Like feelings going into this game, and I, I know I've mentioned it before. I'm I'm positive about the potential result. Um, the game itself, quite optimistic. Yeah, I, I think it's one that. I don't think, well, it's two quite evenly based teams, I think. Um, it can go either way right now. I don't think there's really fair to say one's an overriding favourite or one's a strong underdog. 
as ever, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm utterly pessimistic about the experience from a fan perspective. Um, I, again, don't think this game should be going ahead. It's too big. It's too important. And now that UEFA have confirmed that fans can get into grounds, albeit based on local laws, it means that now if Norbe- if, if we get through, Norway and I think Serbia, definitely Norway, have said they will have fans in the ground. So if we get through um, and play the final, there will be opposition fans. And it's a disadvantage to Scotland. So why why are we not getting the advantage in the semi-final? It's so frustrating. Um, I just I don't want to be sitting celebrating the biggest game in almost two decades in my living room on my own because of everything that's going on. I wish these games were going on in March when there is an international break and it's still time before the Euros. But anyway, that's that's not going to be changed. And in terms of the actual game itself, look, we had a, a disappointing one each draw with them last month, but we also beat them in 2018. As I say, I think we're quite largely similar teams in that sense and it can go either way I'm, I'm quite confident if the right Scotland team turn up and the mentality's right then yeah we're in for a good night and let's not think about Norway in the final just yet and how scary that could be with uh, <laughs> with their players but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. See, I'd be quite happy to watch the big games in my house because the fridge is right there I can the beer's a lot cheaper and uh, the toilet's free all the time. That's because <laughs> you... What pub do you go to that, that you have to pay to go to the toilets? No, no, it's vacant. Oh, vacant. I thought you said free. <laughs> I did say free. But I mean JJ, that that's sense. because you don't care as much, so you don't vocally try and drive on the team like everyone else. Uh, the one well, thing I will miss... I don't think they can hear me. I, I can't shout that loud. I've already had I do, complaints. <laughs> I do miss... I do, I, I, and I'm with you, Laura. It is a shame that these games aren't getting moved. I get why they're not being moved to accommodate fans, but I am really going to miss uh, when I was at uni. I used to go to Harley's in there, and they used to every time at half time they would do free pies, brilliant. And if Scotland had won, you get a free pint. It was just and I, and that, that that kind of because international football connects fans, oh, and completely. Scottish football has so many teams that hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's the one one opportunity where we can come together and just That's support the thing. I one find thing. It so, I find it so ironic that the year that we could actually end this two-decade wait is the year that we can't all hug and cuddle and kiss random strangers when the winning goal goes in. <laughs> and you just think back to the, the absolute chaos that was the, the two goals against England uh, in 2017. And that was easily... Like one of the best moments of my footballing life, and and I'm not going to get to experience that no matter how successful we are in these well this game possibly two games I'm not going to get to feel that same euphoria. And this is why Lee Griffiths should be in the team. Just exactly. For those <laughs> so yeah, when when we do come back uh, to domestic matters, um, we'll also have the Scottish Championship, League One and League Two, coming back, um, which Hearts is great. Are back. Hearts are well. Hearts are back. Um, what about Kelty Hearts? They might be in um, at the end of the season <laughs> if they get if they come up um, through the pyramid. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? Do you know much about what's going on in the lower leagues? I'm quite looking forward to League One this year. I think yeah. looking at um, I think Falkirk and Partick Thistle are definitely two to look out for, but also Cove Rangers. I think considering the money they've put into it recently, shooting up the leagues, their, their aim is to get to the championship um, and oh, obviously keep going if they can. But I think this is a big year for them to kind of show just how serious they are about this journey they're on. It's quite uh, not common, but it seems to be when teams or clubs go up, 
the divisions like that, they ride a bit of momentum and it helps them kind of go up. We've seen it before with you know, teams like Gretna, I suppose, and yeah. Levy in the past. So it'd be, it'd be pretty cool, I mean, as someone from Aberdeenshire, if there were to be two teams from there in the same league eventually, that'd be fun. A little derby. Yeah, but you not, should, um, really you, should all, you should both keep an eye on Queen's Park this season as well because when they they obviously sold Hamden to uh, the Scottish FA, they came into a bit of money and they've, they've spent they've spent well. Like I said, Simon Murray's now playing down there. He was at Dundee United up in the Championship um, and at Hibs. I don't um, think we're going to miss them, Andrew. Have you seen the kit they've brought out? Oh, well, <laughs> this is it. They've spent big. <laughs> I love that but kit. It's brilliant. I'm... I, I say keep I'm an eye on them. Warm. You can't take your eyes off them. I, I think I've actually warmed it a lot. When I first saw it, my first thought was just like, what the? <laughs> and then the more I look at it, the more I think, yeah, I'm on board with this. Well, the one thing I quite enjoyed was the fact that each square, each coloured square is all based on the results from 1900 all the way through to now. And there's what well, orange for a draw, green for a win and red for a defeat. And there's a lot of red on there. <laughs> there's a lot of red but honestly keep an eye on this season they've spent and they've brought in a lot of big players um, for that level at least uh, managed by Ray McKinnon who divides opinion with a lot of people but um, they could be a good shout um, for promotion I think I think Hearts are I mean fair to say they're outright favourites and going to cruise the championship is that, yeah, is that fair to it? say I, I'm not going to call it. I think they're going to have. I think they're going to have competition. Obviously, like Dundee and Inverness are obviously going to have something to say about it. But from what I'm hearing in terms of their pre-season friendly so far, they look strong. I've not seen them personally play, but I mean, if they're going to, they, they've got their heads screwed on and they're they're content in getting straight back up to the Premiership. They've they've got to kind of turn up from day one and just keep going. And can I do what Dundee United did last season in the sense of just kind of run away with it as soon as possible and get it in the bag? I think. Everyone expects them to come up straight away when you look at that table. But as I say, they'll, they'll have competition, but... Yeah. They'll have competition from it. Queen of the South, who made the signing of the summer in Naughty Naughty. Yes. Oh, what a name, by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> All they need to do is get Notts County's Regan Booty and the headlines will be superb. Um, but I'm going to end on that note. That's all for this week's show because we'll be back next week. So don't worry. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you to JJ, Laura, Finn and Anthony uh, for joining me on the programme. But most of all, thank you for listening. Thanks to Abby, our super producer, and we'll speak to you next week. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. And be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media.